Welcome to another edition of Campus Life, the college side of the podcast here at Campus DeCanton. As always, I am Austin. And this is Colin. And we are joined by two very special guests here tonight. Uh, tonight is definitely a CFF show. And to help us out with that, we have invited the hosts of Chasing the Natty podcast, uh, Jared and Xavier. So guys, thank you so much for coming on. We love the pod. We love the show. Excited to have more CFF guys out there doing some, doing some good work. Um, tell us a little bit about the show and um, you know where we can find you guys and, and how you got started with everything. Yeah, so um, Xavier and I really kind of grew to love college football right around the same time as each other. Um, and so with that love, we kind of uh, experimented a little bit a, a couple years back with kind of doing fantasy football along with college football. I didn't even know if it was a thing that was offered and I did find it on Fantrax. And so we just kind of started a league between us and our two roommates at the time. And we just kind of played around with it and turned out uh, we had a ton of fun. And we uh, realized that we kind of did a lot more research than like your typical person would do for it. And we found ourselves talking about it constantly more and more as the years kind of went on, we kind of took it more and more seriously every year. And so Xavier and I kind of just discussed one day, it's like, Hey, like, there's not a lot of podcasts out there or content out there for people who want to get into this. It's kind of a growing side of the fantasy. And so we decided let's just get on that train before everybody else does. And so here we are. It's been a great time. Um, by the way, I'm Jared. I just realized I never actually introduced myself. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I kind of, I, I kind of, um, I kind of run all the editing side on it and then Xavier kind of comes in with his content and everything, his analysts, and we just kind of do it together. We kind of bounce off each other. We'd have a great time. Uh, we have two Twitter accounts. Uh, I'm at CFF Jared. I'll let Xavier plug his own in a second. And then we have a YouTube channel, which has our kind of visual content for every show that we do. And then if you just want to listen, you want to listen on your car and everything, we have our own Spotify and Apple podcast show. So Xavier, is there anything that I missed there that you want to hop in on? Yeah, I'll take you back a little bit. Uh, like Jared said, uh, we both started around college football at the same time. He was more into it than me, and both of us coming into college, uh, going into our, going our first game, I was just completely immersed in it. And I was like, I need, I like this more than you know the National Football League, which Jared was more college football, I was more professional. But I saw the beauty of college football from like you know firsthand. So I was like, I want to be immersed in this completely. So uh, he suggested that we do a podcast. I was like, I'm all for it. We've done a. Uh, about two or three years of fantasy uh, we'll just start with our roommates but Jared was doing a lot more research I was just watching random games I mean Jared was also watching random games I'm like more of the eye test he's more analytic and the eye test so it's definitely a different mix of our fantasy choices but now that I'm starting to see like how complex it can get with these mock drafts starting to see I need to be a little more analytical once I get in these bigger leagues but yeah it's been a great time. Uh, like Jared said, uh, I'm Xavier. I'm at CFF Xavier. Uh, you can check out our content there. Jared probably posts more than me, but I will start posting more in a couple of weeks. So, yeah, that's mainly it. And you guys are both students at Georgia, right? Yeah. Yes, sir. Okay. All right. We're finishing up our final year. We're, we're in the middle of uh, final season and everything, graduation and all that. So once once we get all that stuff out of the way, we're hoping to kind of kind of hunker down a little bit more, get some more content out there. We're very excited about it. 
Love it. Love it. And I like that you guys have kind of the differing, you know, approaches because Colin and I do too, um, where I have good opinions and Colin has really bad opinions. And that's how, <laughs> that's how we make the show work. So I'm glad that you guys also have that dynamic uh, for you guys, for people out there that, you know, are listening to their show. I watch it on YouTube. I do. Uh, because you guys always have, you know, some sort of visual up while you're talking that I really, really yeah. like. Um, and then I go download it as well because I know the downloads are important. Uh, oh, yeah. Thank so, you. Appreciate that. Yes, of course. Um, so, yeah. Thank you guys again for joining us. Um, Colin, you have anything to add in here? Um, beside a bad opinion. We, we already covered that. <laughs> well, no opinion on this one. All fact. Um, no, I love these guys show. It's, it's great, it, especially for the CFF side, um, which is something that I didn't have nearly as much experience with. Um, you know, before, like, especially before this year, um, it was pretty much just C2C type stuff. Um, so here in the CFF perspective it is really helpful. Um, I haven't missed a show yet. I always download it on Spotify. Haven't watched it on YouTube, although it sounds like maybe I should. Uh, sounds like you guys have a uh, cool graphics and a lot of great editing going on on there too. In, in addition to all those great takes. Awesome. Yeah, the, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say it, Again, we're, we've been having a blast with it. And like one of the things that I've kind of noticed where people don't like there, there's a, there's reasons why CFF hasn't blown up the way it has in that it's 130 teams you have to keep track of versus 32. And so part of one, one of the main reasons why we want to have this podcast so focused on it is we want people to be able to come to one source and be able to just find the important things out of all of that information. Cause again, 130 teams, you're keeping track of so many players. So you need some people out there who will just tell you, these are the guys that you need to be looking out for. These are the ones you need to be watching uh, for news for and everything. So that's our goal with it. We're hoping to make it easier for people to hop into it. So, so I, I have been wondering a little bit about this. Um, Cause I actually have never played straight CFF. I've been doing the campus to Canton stuff for a while. And obviously there is a, a college fantasy side, but I've never played, you know, strictly college fantasy for somebody that's new and has no experience, prior experience with it. Do you suggest doing like a, a, just a P5 version of it or something like that? Is that something that, that maybe is a little easier to get your feet wet or wet, or do you guys just suggest jumping in and listening to your show, obviously, cause then that'll get you through it. Yeah. Um, I, I personally suggest power five because it's the easiest. Like you're, you'll see most of the games on the TV. You'll find it on ESPN if you have uh, Fox Sports as well. So I feel like that's just more easier to track than going and looking for those Mac games or, you know, even though Pac-12 can get kind of difficult with like 12 or 1 a.m. games, uh, you're still able to like have that access to it. So and then you kind of know some of the players because if you're more into the NFL side, you kind of seeing who your team wants to draft, who are these draft picks, where are they coming from? And most of them are coming from Power 5 anyway. I'm actually going to disagree with Xavier here. Um, if you guys watch our show, you'll find Xavier and I disagree on quite a bit. But <laughs> I actually will say it'd probably be better for you to do a full FBS league for two reasons. One, because of the large player pool, you're going to have more opportunities to where, like unlike in an NFL league or a Power 5 league, where if you mess up your draft, you just don't know what you're doing quite yet. There's plenty of opportunity for guys to kind of emerge and for you to kind of learn how to use your waiver wire skills to kind of salvage your season for later down the line. And I think because if there's one thing like I've learned with other fantasy formats, like I've been playing baseball, I've been, I've been experimenting with fantasy baseball this year. There's like four guys out of our league of 10 already who have quit effectively, who have just like stopped checking up on things because the first couple of weeks just went poorly for them. And it's so hard for you to kind of recover once your first couple of weeks have gone in CFF. There's 
plenty of player for, players for you to kind of poke around, maybe find your diamond in the rough, and for you to kind of recover your season, kind of get your feet wet first, and then go with full dive. And also, once you do a full FBS league, this is the second reason. Once you do a full FBS leagues, everything else becomes easier from there. So, like, going into Power 5, like, maybe you have to go a little deeper on rosters and stuff like that. But otherwise, you because you know information about 130 teams, managing 65 teams becomes a whole lot easier. So Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So, there you go, guys. There's, there's the two uh, differing opinions on that for those that are thinking about making the plunge in this year. Um, Both good opinions. Both good opinions, yes. Unlike Collins. <laughs> Unlike Collins. <laughs> yeah, see, okay, new, we've got a third host permanently here now. We've got <laughs> well, I mean, he could just basically be a second host because, you know, you missed last week. Uh, <laughs> oh, they got me. Uh, so we're, we are going to talk a little bit about some of the guys that you're paying attention to, uh, the two of you going into this year. But we do, you know, as we have been doing the past couple weeks here, we are doing some spring game, you know, news roundups here. There have been a lot of them. Um, and there were about, well, we're going to talk about 10 of them or so here, but there were a lot more than that this weekend. Um, some of these we're going to go in more into depth than others. Um, but just some little tidbits from these games that would be interesting for you on your college side of your rosters. Uh, the first one we have up here is Louisiana Lafayette, who most people probably don't really know that much about. Uh, so what happened in that game, uh, you guys, that that is interesting to you for fantasy purposes? Zary, I'll take this one. You take the next game. I got you. Oh, sounds good. So um, I took the time to watch this game last Thursday. And Louisiana Lafayette is a very interesting team. They knocked off Iowa State early on in the season last year and went on to, I believe, have a 10-1 and record. I think their one loss came to Coastal Carolina. They didn't get to play their conference championship, but they had a great season last year. And the reason behind that was two running backs by the, name, uh, by the names of Elijah Mitchell and Trey Regas. And they had an absolutely masterful running attack last year. And both of those guys are off to the NFL. So one thing I was looking for in this game was who are they getting to kind of take over that role? And the main name that came up was Chris Smith. And he was their running back three last year. And it looks like from what I saw in this past spring game, he is probably going to take over as that running back one this upcoming year and will probably be the bell cow for the majority of the season. If not for another name I'm going to bring up here, and that's Amani Bailey, who kind of was kind of, he, he wasn't um, like buried on the depth chart per se last year, but he wasn't like the guy that would like um, that wouldn't spring out to you, but he definitely showed some flashes in the spring game. He was the main running back for the uh, twos offense. And so he definitely showed that he could easily take over that kind of role right behind Chris Smith. I say that Chris Smith is probably going to be possibly even more fantasy relevant than Elijah Mitchell and Trey Regas were last year. And that's saying a lot. So I'm going to say Chris Smith was definitely a highlight of that game. The other name I put on Twitter that I was watching was Kyron Lacey. And I'll, I'll talk about him a little bit later, but um, I, I do like Kyron Lacey a lot. He uh, actually, you know, I'm, I'm going to save that for later. Cause I, I know you're going to ask me about my sleeper wide receiver, Austin. And I'm probably have him as my sleeper wide receiver. So I'll save that Perfect. for later. Perfect. Great I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, I've had I've had him on a list of guys, you know, super stashes going into the year. So I'm glad that somebody else is, is interested in him as well. Um, so Xavier, it sounds like you're the guy here going to talk about Georgia Tech uh, yeah. and what happened at their game. 
Yeah. Uh, so Jeff Sims going into year two looks really good. Uh, surprising out of Georgia Tech. Uh, they're moving away from their old offense um, and moving into something new. So Jameer Gibbs is uh, obviously a guy that everybody's been raving about to make that leap and being one of those top guys. It's going to either be Gibbs, Bijan, Brees Haller, Muhammad Ibrahim. Nobody really knows. I, I think it's personally Bijan, but Jameer Gibbs is definitely an interesting guy to look at. Uh, but Jeff Sims looks like a very relevant quarterback in terms of fantasy this year. He looks a lot more comfortable in the pocket, made some great passes, didn't have that many yards, but had touchdowns. So definitely something to look out for out of uh, in, in Atlanta. But uh, besides that, I mean, that's mainly it. They have a, a transfer wide receiver in, um, I believe his last name is McGowan, if I'm correct, Jared. Uh, Kyrick McGowan. Kyrick McGowan. So that may be an interesting uh, name to look at. Again, uh, to see if Jeff Sims uh, finds a receiver that he might like. It, you know, that's another option to go on that offense with Jameer Gibbs. So, interesting. One, and how high I'll are you guys on Jameer Gibbs here before we move on to? I'm actually going to touch on that here in a second. Okay. So, mm-hmm. like, I know you guys at Campus Can are very high on him. And if I was in a Campus Can league, I would absolutely be just as high on him as you are. However, if you're in a CFF league, I'd actually say that we're overall a little bit lower mm-hmm. on Jameer Gibbs because, again, you have to think for us, we're mostly redraft and everything. So we're basing what we expect coming out of him this upcoming year. And while Jameer Gibbs is clearly probably the most talented person on Georgia Tech's roster, I don't think that the the environment that Georgia Tech creates in terms of like how likely they are going to be game scripted into running the ball constantly or now, of course, he's a receiving back as well, so he'll be involved in the passing game if they're behind and everything. But I would say we're overall lower on Jameer Gibbs, not by too much, I'd say. Like, I think you guys, I typically see Jameer Gibbs go as running in the running back top tens for C2C leagues. Am I correct in that? He's a top five back in pretty much every draft we've done. He, he I don't think okay. I've seen him escape a first round. Um, okay, so. yeah. See, <laughs> I, I would say in CFF, you would definitely see him fall to the probably second, third, maybe fourth round if he's fallen real far. Yeah, actually, I, I do agree with that. I mean, I, I like Jameer Gibbs a lot for, for Debbie purposes um, and for C2C as well. But for C2C, um, you know, where you actually need the college production, um, I know like, there's a big debate between Tank Bigsby and, and Jameer Gibbs. Um, and the production, I think, on the college side is what get, makes me have Tank Bigsby ahead of him for C2C because I think Bigsby's going to smash this year, especially in Brian Harson's offense um, where I, I'm right there with you. I don't know how productive Gibbs is actually going to be. Um, I think he'll produce fine. He'll be a starting caliber player for your CFF roster, but I don't think he's nearly as valuable as what he would be for Debbie or C2C purposes. Yeah. Interesting. Um, next game we have on here is Boston college. And I did watch this game. Um, very intriguing. They had all the, the the guys from this past season that kept chiming in with interviews and stuff, which which I like. You know, that's the whole college atmosphere. It's you know what makes us love college football. Um, anything stand out to you in that game, uh, Jared? Uh, the big name here is Zay Flowers. Um, I know a lot of us, including myself, uh, John Laub, a bunch of us were raving after that the final two minutes of that first half, where it just looked like he and Jerkovic uh, were just completely in sync. And they just dropped two dimes into the end zone. And I I love what I saw. I had Zay Flowers probably a little bit higher than most people coming into this. Like, I know most people had him, like, in CFF circles kind of had him as, like, a mid-tier wide receiver, too. 
I was kind of on the upper end of that. I had him as an upper wide receiver two. I might be moving him into upper wide or lower wide receiver one territory. I'm liking what I see out of him that much. And I absolutely think that in a year or two's time, when he goes off to the draft, he is possibly a first or second round wide receiver and could absolutely be a value for you guys in your campus can leagues. Um, so related to that, <clears throat> I thought Jerkovich looked pretty good. How do you feel about him in terms of just, you know, pure your college fantasy asset? I think he's going to be one of your guys that you can get for a good value around the mid, the middle of the draft. I see him kind of fall a lot further than I typically would expect him to. Now, again, I unfortunately can't tease this. He's not my he's not my mid tier guy for later. But um, yeah, I'd say he's definitely a guy to just watch when you're in a CFF draft. See if he's still there around like rounds probably I'd say ten or eleven. Like he's likely going to be that guy that people kind of forget about. I think you're going to absolutely get a huge value for him there. Xavier, any thoughts? Yeah, I completely agree. It's uh, If you play your cards right in the draft, I think uh, from what we've been seeing, Jerkovic falls really farther than you know, a lot of us expected. And I mean, obviously in the ACC, you had your top guys last year where you had um, De'Aaron King and Ch- uh, Trevor Lawrence, and people were looking at those big names. But, you know, Boston College, uh, Pittsburgh, uh, a lot of people – well, I wouldn't say a lot of people forget about that game that they had with Clemson, even though uh, Trevor Lawrence wasn't playing. But Jerkovic did play well, and I think uh, from what that's past this past spring game, he looks a lot better and more polished. So I definitely see him being drafted, and, you know, I want to keep him as a secret for myself. So, like, just in case I, I uh, see myself, like, not making the right decisions and I need a quarterback late and I can pick up Jerkovic, then I'd feel really happy with my draft overall. So – but I definitely see his value uh, on the up and uh, on the upward trend. Do you want to do you want to give us a line about how much you hate Jerkovic, and then we can edit that one into what you just <laughs> said before, and then we can we we can keep that on the DL for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so so and just to throw this in here, Jerkovic in our drafts is going around, uh, or his ADP is one thirty two uh, for this past month. So thirteenth round, or, or sorry, eleventh round or so. Um, so, you know, not, not, not bad value there for a guy that, that could do some things this year and, and probably gets drafted. Uh, UNC, uh, what did you guys see out of that game? We'll toss this one over to Xavier. Yeah. Uh, Sam Howell still looks great. Uh, losing Daz Newsom, uh, Michael Carter, Javante Williams, um, I'm trying to think, uh, the other receiver was it Diami Brown. I always get the one. Yeah. Diami Brown. Diami Brown. And you're just like you're you're just under the assumption that man, who's he going to throw to now? But Mac Brown has done a really good job of recruiting with Josh Brown and you know getting grad transfers with Ty Chandler. So Sam Howell is a talented quarterback. Obviously, he's going to go high with uh, CFF Debbie Campus to Canton. Everybody's expecting him to do great, you know, uh, like in, through college into the NFL. So I like what I see. Josh Downs looks like a very good receiver from the last game we saw the season with the bowl game at Texas A&M throughout spring. Um, but I'm really interested to see that running back room, which I'll let Jared explain a little bit more because he believes there's something uh, growing there. Yeah, so I, the, to me, like it wasn't a huge surprise to see Sam Howell connect with new receivers with Josh Downs. Um, another name that kind of popped out was Anton Green. A couple of new guys out there. It looks like he's uh, developed some good chemistry with. But the thing that kind of stood out to me was behind Ty Chandler, you had running backs like Josh Henderson, Elijah Green, DJ Jones, uh, freshman Caleb Hood. It looks like they're building 
quite the running back room there in UNC. And they just hired a new running backs coach because I believe their old one was hired by Alabama. And so they kind of had to hire a new one. I believe his name is, let me look it up here real quick. Um, Larry Porter, who is a, a two-time national recruiter of the year to be their running backs coach. And it looks like that he is developing these guys extremely well. And for you guys going into the future, especially like in uh, C2C formats, Debbie formats and everything, it looks like that this North Carolina running back room is about to become quite the um, production line of running backs that could possibly be um, expected to be drafted and developed in, for the NFL. Like it, like almost every running back I saw out there during that game had at least one or two flashes when they were handed the ball. So I'm very high on the UNC running game going into the future, even after, even after Javante Williams and Michael Carter have been gone. Is there one particular guy that stands out to you as like for for more for like the future for any for any C two C guys out there to, to keep an so, eye? So the guy that kind of there, I'll, I'll give you two. So it looks like the next up guy after Ty Chandler, who looks like he might be actually getting a bell cow role, as far as we can tell based on what we saw in the spring game. Uh, after Ty Chandler, it looks like the next guy up will be Josh Henderson because he kind of showed the most amount of um, agility when running the ball. And then if you want a guy who's probably a steal in your C2C leagues at this point, I'm going to give you Caleb Hood, who's a true freshman there at UNC. That's what I wanted. Yeah, there we go. Colin Colin was very happy about that. You weren't supposed to say that. You weren't supposed to say that. Darn it. (laughs) Yes. Caleb Hood shows Apparently I have bad opinions, but. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I guess I'll be a bad opinion with you. I appreciate that. We'll, we'll, We'll go down on that ship together. Yeah, Colin, you you had mentioned Hood is uh, on a freshman spotlight that we did. You know, maybe maybe probably two months ago at this point. It's been a while since you brought yeah. his name up. But um, did did you watch that game, Colin? I did not get a chance to watch that one. Yeah, he looked good. Uh, I thought Drake May looked really good too. Um, just to throw that out there, you know, probably you know we've been saying he's probably the next guy highly recruited after Sam Howe. It probably confirmed it. He he looked like he's probably going to be ready in the year for that job. Um, and that running back room still doesn't have Kamaro Edmonds, who is playing his spring football season in the state of North Carolina. And um, I, oh man, I'm, I'm already dipping into the 2022 freshman class. Uh, the, the people in the Discord wanted it, so I'm doing it. Um, I've watched maybe 25 of these guys. They, they have a kid coming in next year named George Petaway, who is in the Michael Carter role. For those that are already wow. looking forward to next year, he's really, really good. He has crazy bursts. As soon as he, as soon as he sees a hole... He hits it uh, a little smaller, but but a really good back. So, yeah, I, I like the sound of that, and it sounds like they, they are building something there. Uh, Texas spring game, Jared, um, what, what caught your eye on that one? So this quarterback battle is a lot closer than I even thought it would be. Um, I was a big t- Casey Thompson guy coming out of the year. I saw what he did in the bowl game. I thought I was like, okay, clearly, clearly this is the next guy up. He was just throwing bombs left and right. Now, granted, it was against Colorado, so it's not like the it's not like the most challenging defense in the world to read or anything like that. But even still, like he clearly just like looked like just the next man up. And watching this past week in the spring game, I saw a lot of people just going ahead and declaring Hudson Card the winner, or not not like he won the job or anything, but like he had the better day out of the two. I'm not gonna necessarily necessarily go that far. Um, he definitely took a lot more sacks than Casey Thompson did. However, he did have probably the higher highlights. Um, that that throw to um, Washington uh, at the beginning of the second half, I believe it was, where it was the um, 
the anticipated read, which is phenomenal. Um, like that, that clearly shows to me that Hudson card does have the higher ceiling. So it could possibly be the thing because he has a higher ceiling could be the thing that leads to him having the starting job going into next year, which don't catch me saying that about two months ago where I thought Casey Thompson had this job running away. And I was like, card who? <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, I thought um, we were going to have, after listening to your, your shows, I thought we were going to have a be- a little bit of beef here, but uh, I'm glad okay. you're coming around on my boy card a little bit. I'm, I still think that it's possible. To, again, to me, whoever wins this job is going to be extremely fantasy relevant. If, if this job was settled by any means necessary, I probably would have them in my top 10. Like in terms of a CFF, I like I'm that high on this Texas offense coming into this year. Now their wide receivers could stop dropping balls. That'd be great, but uh, <laughs> yeah, that's my other point. Wide receiver rooms, man, they 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 could not catch a ball if or they couldn't catch a cold out there. Um, and then last but not least, Bijan Robinson is going to be a beast, and we all know it. So. Y'all have yeah. any more thoughts there? <laughs> yeah, he's my RB1, to be honest. Uh, a lot of people. Okay. Ooh, you haven't yeah. told me that yet. Yeah, I mean, you saw how. Uh, Breaking news. Yeah, he's definitely my RB1. I think with a Sarkeesian offense, it's just the sky's the limit for him. Uh, you saw what he did with uh, Sarkeesian did with Najee Harris. And with Texas, I mean, there are still a lot of question marks around like the wide receiver room dropping balls and Hudson Card and Casey Thompson. But I think Bijan, with this skill set, is the most reliable guy. And they're going to use him more than. Um, he's going to get at least 20, 20 carries per game. I, I think if 15 to 20 or any, anything higher because what uh, what Tom Herman was doing before, that it, it was just disrespectful. So I, I expect a big leap, and I think he will definitely be the most protect, productive running back in the nation this upcoming year. Interesting. I really like that. Um, <clears throat> I just, I'm in a C2C startup right now, and I took Bijan 101. So that warms my heart to hear you say that. Hopefully, uh, hopefully that, 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 it works out for me here. Um, just across the state there a little bit, Texas A&M. Um, Xavier, I think we're kicking this one to you here. Um, anything really catch your eye there? Uh, well, Anaya Smith uh, seems to be moving uh, solidified at that wide receiver role. But we did see him carry the ball like once or twice, which, you know, nobody knows what Anaya Smith is. He's basically a Swiss, Swiss Army knife at this point, and he looks great. Um, Haynes King, I know that was the big question coming into the Texas A&M game. Everybody was like, "What can you replicate what Kellen Mond did or, you know, show promise to that? Uh, I won't say he had a terrible day, but it wasn't like, you know, the showing that everybody expected. So uh, I think, you know, as more time goes on, as more practices he gets through, I mean, he has the offense for the offensive line. So it's all really up to him. I still will say for people to remain hesitant, here's some more things at the camp. Isaiah Spiller is going to be great. Uh, a-Chain, uh, I was really high on coming in last year. I loved him a lot. I, I forgot what game I was watching, but it was probably like third or fourth game of the season. And I was like, man, this guy behind Isaiah Spiller, because I had Isaiah Spiller in my league. And I was like, man, he's taking up a lot of my carries right now, but he's doing a, a lot of work with this. So I was like, he's definitely going to have to get more time there. Uh, with their wide receiver room, they have Damas coming back off of suspension. Uh, Caleb Chapman's co- uh, coming off of um, injury. So we'll see what that looks like upcoming. But Overall, Texas A&M, uh, they look fine. I think they'll still be a top SC, uh, SEC team in terms of value. There's still a lot of question marks, except for that uh, running back room and Anaya Smith as well. Interesting. So does <clears throat> where do you guys have Spiller for this year then? 
Because like you said, it's a very deep running back room. They do run the ball a lot. And obviously when, with uncertainty, a quarterback, you know, they, they might lean on that a little bit more. But you have to figure that those carries are going to get eaten into even during the regular season, right? Yeah. Uh, last year, I had Spiller really high. I, I drafted him probably as my second running back. Um, now I see a lot of people where they're just taking them as uh, their first. And I don't blame them. Uh, it all depends on where you're at. If Bijan, uh, Muhammad, and I'd say Brees Hall is gone, then I think Isaiah Spiller is that next tier. Or either can also be in that same tier. He doesn't catch a lot of balls under the back. Well, he can catch the ball in the backfield, but that's not mainly what uh, he's used for. He's usually – he's best when he's running between the tackles. So, I, yeah, I, Xavier, I yeah, Xavier and I are both high on Isaiah. I have him as my running back seven. I actually had him higher than that uh, recently until I remembered that Devin A. Chain is probably only going to get better and probably eat into that just a little bit more this year. Yeah. So I, I, I bumped him down just a little bit, but even still, I actually have him higher than him where I'm probably seeing other people taking him in the draft. Like he, he usually survives on a 12 man league about the end of the second round, beginning of the third round is typically where you see him go. And that's around like late RB one, early RB two range. So to me, he's actually, you're actually getting him. If you play the ADP game with him, you'll be getting a value. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm high on Isaiah Spiller, very much so. Love that. Um, <clears throat> Oklahoma, I think, is the last uh, big 12 team we have here. Um, I, I, did, I thought this was a very intriguing game. Um, I think this is one that Dwight has cut and has the condensed version of on his YouTube page. So if you guys haven't looked at that yet, uh, Mr. FF uh, People's Champ on Twitter uh, does some work with us, and he has the Debbie Manual YouTube channel, and he's done a bunch of these condensed games. So I watched the condensed version of Oklahoma on there. Um, what did you guys think of that game? So to me, the big name out of this game wasn't anybody on the starting roster, which there were plenty of people there, but Caleb Williams, man, that dude could have started for could could start for Oklahoma this year. Like he's that talented. Like I didn't. I was expecting something a little bit more along the line like Bryce Young last year, where it's like, okay, he could have started, but it was like clearly he needs like another year to develop or and stuff like that. But Caleb Williams in that spring game, man, he looks like he could be one of the best quarterbacks in the country today. Like I was shocked by just how easily he managed the pocket, how easily he ran that offense. I he's gonna be a monster next year after Spencer if Spencer Rattler leaves this year. I like the sky's the limit for him. Um, so he, he was my big kind of surprise out of that coming out of that game. I love what I saw out of Caleb Williams. Spencer Rattler did well as well, a little less impressive, but also I, I don't think they're trying as much with him because they didn't want him to get hurt. Um, Mario Williams is a surprise. Um, uh, freshman wide receiver there. Uh, we almost, we, we were, I know we were going after him at Georgia and I was, just, I was disappointed to see him go to Oklahoma and I'm now even more disappointed he didn't come to Georgia because uh, clearly even in a stacked wide receiver room like Oklahoma's, he's finding play time early on and he's made some, he made some great catches in the game yesterday and uh, probably in your C to C uh, formats, like where's he going in y'all's league? If, do y'all know? Mario Williams is going, um, yeah, we uh, we actually just released the uh, ADP app today, um, so we have that. We should have that at the ready. Yes, I do have it. So he is going at one sixteen point two five right now. So one sixteen. So um, ninth round, I guess ninth probably. Yeah. Um, which yeah. which seems right. Um, although you know Oklahoma offense 
you know, rocket ship emoji, anybody that gets playtime there. So yeah. I'm Especially sure it will go as a freshman. Yeah, I'm sure that will go up significantly here if, if it's true that he has that second wide receiver spot locked down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and big the, time rocket ship get... for Williams too. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. What's uh, what's Williams' ADP, Austin? Do you happen to have that one? Caleb handy here. Yeah, Caleb Williams. Because only talking about he's Williams a guy. <laughs> he's a guy who I'm definitely going to have to reassess a little bit. Um, just because I didn't think he was going to look this good this early. I thought he was going to need a lot of refinement as a passer. Um, and I mean, it's a little bit, I, th- I think that Lincoln Riley probably simplified things a little bit for him, um, you know, running the number two offense, but still either way, he still looked really impressive. Yeah. He, his ADP is 43. So okay. top, top four rounds. Um, and it's guaranteed he's going to be the next starter there. So, you exactly. know, you're, you're, you're basically, you're buying, you know, a, a, a stock that, you know, is you're buying Apple, you know, you can't go <laughs> wrong with buying Apple stock you know in two years it's going to be worth more than it is now so yeah. that, that is kind of what caleb williams is right now i was i was thinking about it after i watched the game and i was like if i was like i haven't joined any c2c for uh leagues yet but i do plan on joining at least one this year just to uh play around with it see how well i could do and everything and i thought about it afterwards like if, if i was in a c2c format because i'm not gonna draft him in cff this year because there's just too many good players to invest in him this year but like in a Devi or a C2C, I was like, how high would I draft him? Because, again, to me, after watching what I saw yesterday, like, again, the sky's the limit on him. And he looks like a guy, he, like, I'm not going to say the next Trevor Lawrence, but, like, the guy, he's, like, the guy that you're looking at. And it's like, okay, that's already almost a first-round quarterback right there. So, interesting, yeah, crazy. I, I have been very much a hater on him. And I did Same. think he missed, he missed a couple throws um, that you'd want to see him make. Um, I've always acknowledged his, his value is going to go up. It's just, I'm not much of a day trader, so I don't want to get set, sit stuck here holding the bag. If he sucks and I can't get rid of him in a year, once he gets full time, what do you guys think of Rattler as a CFF option for this year? Oh, definitely. Uh, it's probably second quarterback taken, uh, second quarterback taken. Okay. Quarterback taken. I have no shadow of a doubt that, you know, he's definitely has a talent. Oh, third for you. I have Dustin Crum ahead of him. I okay. I, I love Dustin Crum. <laughs> <laughs> Dustin's very very happy. Dustin Crum. I mean, we need like a the only, like a the animation that like the Crum drum. The Crum drum. I'm I'm all for the Crum drum. Um, the only knock I probably could have against Dustin Crum is the fact that um, he'll like he'll be playing against. I I think he plays he plays Texas A&M this year, I believe. So that's gonna be at least one defense where I'm probably gonna have to sit him for that week because I don't expect him to do well against that. But every other week, that offense is going to be amazing, and Dustin Crum's gonna be at the heart of that every week. But anyway, this is not about Dustin Crum. Spencer Rattler, <laughs> I have met. I do have him at quarterback three. Uh, he's gonna be fantastic. It's an Oklahoma quarterback. He is a dual threat quarterback. It's you can't really go wrong with that. Awesome. We had we had Nate Marquise on the show last month, mm-hmm. um, and he said that their non-conference is brutal. So in his CFF leagues, he might pass on Crum and try to see if he can buy him low or say or something like that. You know, after a couple of weeks and and see if if he because they they have I don't, like Bama or someone too. Like they they have a couple really tough non-conference. I'll look it up real quick. But like me, if you can, if 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 Crum falls to you in the second round, you have to grab him. If he somehow makes it out of the first round, no matter where you are in the second round, if he's there, take him. Like even with a non-conference schedule, like it has, like 
the weeks that he will be playing against Mac competition and everything. Um, yeah, they yeah, have. It's gonna uh, be worth it. Yeah, they have A and M week one, um, Iowa week three, uh, Maryland week four. Maryland doesn't really scare me that much, though. At least in terms no. of defense, that actually may even be a shootout. That may help him. Yeah. Um, Buffalo, yeah. It, potentially. Um, but that's he really about Buffalo it. last year, and he still had a, he yeah. still had a great day. Yeah. Well, Buffalo's um, Buffalo would be in the conference, right? Yeah, 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 in MAC. Yeah. Now I will mention. I think Jared forgot this, but uh, I think the most interesting uh, I took out of the Oklahoma game was the running back room. Uh, I know we both took different sides on this, and Jared chose <laughs> like always, not not like always the the wrong <laughs> side. I, I I was high on Eric Gray. I saw him out of Tennessee. I was like, this man has talent and uh, you know i i felt bad for him i was like man he's just squandering it away at tennessee while still producing at the same time when i heard he was going to oklahoma i was like well it's a wrap i i think he'll get that starting job and jared was like well kennedy brooks is coming back he hasn't played in a year i was like yeah i've seen kennedy brooks play he's very good but eric gray on an actually like you know like good like a great team a good team a relevant team i think could shine brightly and it showed in the spring game where Air Gray looked the most comfortable, and I remember Jared told me this earlier. Kennedy Brooks did not look like – he looked like he hadn't played football in a year. So, you know, it is only spring, so I'm not saying Kennedy Brooks can't get better because, I mean, knowing who he is, he did produce uh, a year ago. So – but I, I think, you know, if somebody were to draft the running back out of Oklahoma, then Air Gray has to be that number one choice. Yeah, we talked about this on our, our last uh, episode for Chasing the Natty where – we were talking about like how do you value like a returning player versus a transfer and everything. And I talked about how naturally when I see two players who I think are very close, I am kind of a more conservative approach. I tend to lean towards the returning player. And so I got burned on this one. I'm glad I, I'm glad I'm figuring this out early with the spring game rather than me drafting Kennedy Brooks a couple months from now in a league and then watching Eric Gray having all the fun outside my window. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I really liked that uh, dilemma segment you guys did. That one was really interesting. You guys had some really, you guys had some really tough ones. Jared, you you really put the screws to Xavier on a couple of those. <laughs> oh yeah, that was all Xavier. He came up with the idea for that show, and I'm like, all right, I'm taking this. I'm running with it. You came up with the quick fire one, so I was like, oh man, <laughs> wasn't expecting this. So just a couple more here, and it just uh, you know, every once in a while we give a peek behind the curtain, and Jared says we don't need to do pit. Which hurt my my little my little pit panther heart. Ouch! Um, so okay, Tennessee, I'll, 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 I'll give you a little panther love later. Don't worry. Oh, perfect. Okay, there's perfect. another tease for you. Um, so Tennessee is a team. That, you know, we Eric Gray left. Everybody else left. Not much left there. Um, but but what what was promising? I guess we should ask from this past weekend. I don't know. I don't even. I lost track of whose turn it is. I think, I think it's Xavier's turn. Yeah, I think it is. I think you're right. Yeah, uh, honestly, I did not uh, pay much attention to this game. Jared just relayed me what happened, and then I saw on Twitter everybody was reacting that Tennessee was just putting up a whole bunch of, like, yards, just offensive yards. And I was like, are they playing defense? Because you're telling me Tennessee's putting up, like, three to 400 yards right now. And I was like, well, it's Tennessee. Everybody's left. So I don't know how much I'm going to buy into this, but I'm glad Harrison Bailey's finally starting to get his love. I thought he should have been the starter last year. Started, thought he should have been the starter a long time ago. Four or five-star quarterback coming in, had all the tools and potential, just needed the opportunities, and Butch Jones was not giving him his just due. So 
I'm glad to see that now, even with that crowded QB room of transfers from Hennon Hooker leaving Virginia Tech, which didn't understand at the time, still don't understand it now. And uh, Milton from Michigan, I don't see him beating out Harrison Bailey at all. I think it's really interesting to see what Tennessee has in terms of offensive weapons. I know Jared mentioned they might have a receiver on their hands. I, know, I remember last year, Palmer was, Palmer was really great. I liked him. I'll actually like him going into the draft this year if somebody gets him in the seventh or sixth round as a steal. Um, but, yeah, besides that, I, I, I don't know what to buy into the Tennessee stock. I mean, I can look at their stats and be like, oh, these players put up a lot of numbers, but at the same time I have to look and be like, well, you are Tennessee. You don't have Henry Toa Toa, and, you know, you're kind of depleted at everything. So I don't know how much you're going to lead me on with this, but I don't think I'm going to buy into anything Tennessee. See switching roles here because usually i'm the conservative one and xavier is the one who gets gung-ho about the new hotness but uh i'm actually buying into this tennessee offense a little bit josh heupel proved that he could run a very effective offense at ucf and i saw i i, I just saw a repeat of that during the tennessee uh spring game i saw harrison bailey look more comfortable than he ever did last year it looks like he's finally got a coach that it looks like he could work with really well uh, a couple of Xavier uh, was talking about weapons earlier. A couple of guys that stood out to me. Jabari Small at Tennessee, I think, is going to be massive this year. And especially since he's getting a lot of those goal line carries, you're going to see a lot of touchdowns out of him this upcoming year, I think. Um, the receiver that stood out to me was uh, uh, Jack Jancic, I believe that's how you pronounce his name. Um, Bailey and a couple of the quarterbacks kept hitting him deep for balls. Looks like that he's going to be that kind of deep threat going into this upcoming year. And I can't believe I'm saying this as a Georgia fan, but like Tennessee's looking like they're going to have a good offense this year, and especially one that's going to be fantasy relevant. Now, I don't know how relevant this will be for like C2C formats and everything, how well these guys are going to be developed going in for drafts and everything. But again, for this upcoming year, and especially with teams not having seen this offense yet, I do believe that they are going to catch a couple guys, people off guard this upcoming year. And you will see several games where, you'll have some people explode fantasy wise on Tennessee's offense. So I'm buying into it. Yeah. I'm a hundred percent with you there. I've been, I've been definitely interested in Tennessee's offense there again, just for fantasy purposes, because you want Hypel's offensive pieces there. And I like, I like Hendon hooker. I think he's going to bring a, a really, a nice element there with his legs as well, in addition to you know how much volume he's probably going to have throwing the ball, given how bad that defense looks, and you know they're going to be playing catch up a lot. Um, I did. I also liked um, you know seeing that Princeton Fant, uh, the tight end, he got a little bit of love there. So I know tight ends a, a pretty forgotten position and, and not one that we talk about a lot, but that was just one that you know kind of marked my eye a little bit. Interesting. So <clears throat> let's say last one here. Uh, Ole Miss um, should be, you know, we, we figure Lane Kiffin synonymous with offense, probably going to get some stuff going on there. Um, I think it's Jared's turn here to take the lead on this one. Yeah. So the biggest question for me with Ole Miss this upcoming season was who's going to replace Elijah Moore. And I think that's the, the question that most people have been kind of wondering, is it going to be one guy? Is it going to be several guys? And I think we got a little bit of an answer here. Now, Jacor Pearson, the transfer from Western Kentucky, did not play in this game from what I could tell. And if he did, he's a complete non-factor. But as far as I could tell, he was out for the game. And so, to me, the receiver that stepped up was Braylon Sanders. Now, I saw a little bit of this at the end of last year. 
after Elijah Mit- or Elijah Mitchell, Elijah Moore had opted out near the end of the season. Braylon Sanders started to get a few more targets. But again, I was wondering, like, okay, I've seen that before where a receiver kind of breaks out late, but then the next year he kind of comes back down to earth. But it looks like Braylon Sanders, when at least for now, while Jacor Pearson's not on the field, is going to be getting a large share of the targets. And I believe he ended the game with about 130 yards and a touchdown. And he probably would have had another touchdown if it weren't for him getting stopped on the goal line and then blowing the whistle dead because I believe he's in a non-contact jersey. So I believe if you're going, if you're a little hesitant on Jacor Pearson and you're still wondering who's that wide receiver to go for, I believe he had to go Braylon Sanders. Another big thing I got out of this game was that if Matt Corral goes down for any reason, God forbid, I think Ole Miss is in trouble. Uh, Kincaid, the backup they had going in there, uh, looked rough. He played a little bit better in the second half. I believe how many, I I think he threw two or three interceptions that game. Yeah, I think uh, he threw three. I saw. Yeah, Yeah, it was, he had a very, very rough day. Just made some pretty awful reads in my opinion. Now they have a freshman quarterback. I can't remember the name off the top of my head who had a couple reps near the end. And while he didn't look great, I think it's about what you would expect out of a freshman. And so I believe within a year or two, he could probably be pretty good. I also think John Rice Plumley couldn't play because I think he was at a baseball game. If I remember yeah. correctly. Yeah. I think he's so, been playing baseball this, this spring. Yeah. So they probably have a good option there as him as a backup and everything, but even still Matt Corral, I think clearly elevates this offense. And I think it's part of the reason why he's going to be a value going to CFF as well as campus to Canton. Cause I think the, he has a clear talent there. That's going to get him noticed by, the NFL going into the future and make him a value going forward. Uh, anything else here? Um, one one last thing is that the rush defense for Ole Miss looked awful and suspect. And so pretty much if you're going to be have any guy playing, any running back playing against Ole Miss, you have to start him. That's all I'm going to say. So that was, that was my limits. Anything else you guys noticed? I just, the, the freshman is Luke Altmeyer. For everybody look all my yes yes just for anybody that's listening um just because i like him i think you know lane kiffin offense um and and i've heard he looks pretty good this this spring in practice so um cool so that's we're gonna wrap up that um there there are a couple spring games left but the majority of the ones that at least anybody's actually <laughs> going to care about are, are done here for the year um so let's the, the stuff we've been teasing for here the past you know few uh, past half an hour or so we asked uh, these two guys here to kind of come up with their top tier guys, a mid tier guy, and then a sleeper for 2021 at every different position. Um, so th- this should be really, really good stuff. We're starting with quarterback just because we always do. So who are the top tier guys this year that, that don't escape the first or maybe the second round, you know, depending on, on what kind of a draft you're in. Xavier, I'll let you take this one. Well, yeah, obviously number one is Malik Willis. What he did last year, it was just, oh, my God. For fantasy, for, I believe any league, it, it just was amazing. And I expect him to have the same production with his legs. And also, I believe I've been hearing a uh, room at a camp. I forgot the receiver's name that him, uh, him and Malik Willis have been making good connections. So there might be a wide receiver, fantasy relevant receiver on Liberty's offense. But, um, yeah, definitely Malik Willis, and I'll let Jared speak on Dustin Crum because I know he wants to get to him. Yeah, no, I, I love Dustin Crum. Like, I, 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 I found him at the end of not this past year, but the year before. And uh, dude's very poised in the pocket, very, very, very talented arm. 
Um, I saw the kind of offense that he was playing in and the defense he's playing against. I'm like, he's, and as soon as all the news came out that everybody was going to be playing against conference only schedules, I was like, I need him. I need him now. Um, and so I think he's going to continue from here. I was so, so happy to hear that he's coming back for another year. He could have gone to the draft this year, but to hear he's coming back for another year in order to um, either play for a MAC championship, but also just to develop his skills some more. I think he absolutely could be drafted in the NFL this up, this next upcoming year. I think he's extremely talented. I want him on my roster. He's great. So, yeah. And I guess uh, we'll, I'll just name off the rest of them that would probably go first round. It's like Matt Corral, obviously Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin, offense, air rate. You're just going to chuck the ball up and see what goes. And then um, Spencer Rattler, year two, uh, or I believe year three, actually. If I'm, yeah, uh, yeah, second second yeah. year starting, but third year there on campus. Yeah. Yeah. So I expect him to make a big leap. He showed promise, especially against that uh, the bowl game against Florida. So big things out of him. And I believe that's it for – I'm not mistaken. We got Malik Crowell. You'll you'll see DJ Uyunglele uh, yeah. kind of sneak into that first round every once in a while. Sometimes you'll see him go right. early second round. Yeah, Bryce Young's also been one who's uh, started to sneak up into the early second round, maybe even late first round, depending on your league format, of course. Yeah, obviously Clemson and uh, Alabama offenses are the hot thing right now, so understandable. But I'll and just. I was going to say, I'll name two other guys here I, I'd consider top tier. Sam Howell, um, he's going to be fantastic this upcoming year. And then one who I think people are a little too low on this upcoming year is Desmond Ritter out of Cincinnati. Um, I remember the big, big question mark with him last year was his passing game. Because obviously the dude can run, but his passing game, I, I remember there were a lot of question marks around it. Um, and he answered, the, he answered those questions definitively last year and to the point where uh, he absolutely can command his offense to the point where he pushed Georgia in the Sugar Sugar Bowl, Peach, Peach Bowl, uh, pushed Georgia to the, to the brink of the Peach Bowl and did it with his legs, did it with arm, did it with his arms. He's I think he's absolutely going to be somebody who's going to be putting up tons of points this upcoming year. Yeah. So uh, te- the Texas guys, we talked a little bit about them earlier and how you think they're going to be really good options. If someone told you tomorrow, either way, you know, Casey Thompson's the starter for the year or Hudson Card's the starter for the year, would they creep close to that for you guys or still still a little later than that? Mm. I'll let Jared answer first. <laughs> they, they would be in the top tier for me. Okay. I, 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 was just, I was just looking at my rankings. I'm like, all right, where would I put them? And I would probably have them behind Sam Howell and ahead of Desmond Ritter, so they would be at seven. QB seven for me. Okay. Yeah, I'd probably like that. Yeah, I'd probably have it at the same. As long, barring as their receivers are able to make <laughs> make catches, which if they're coming out of camp, they have more time. I'm pretty sure they will. Hmm. Gotcha. So <clears throat> those are the kind of the top tier guys. A mid tier guy that you feel is is a big value at currently where they're they're going in, in drafts. Right, Mr. Xavier. I, I, yeah, um, I, I'll I'll go one that I personally view as mid-tier. I'll go JT Daniels on Georgia. I know I'm a little bit biased with this, but I think with the offense that we have with under Todd Mock, and, and I know a lot of people are kind of hesitant about, you know, we lost George Pickens for a considerable amount of time, but the weapons that we had, the spring, spring game that we showed, you know, Georgia's not known for putting up 300 yards in the air, so for that to be in our spring game, just it could just it just shows a reflection and also the last four games that he played. Uh, JT Daniels looks like he's definitely gonna uh, be one of those relevant guys to where you're gonna get touchdowns and yards out of him. I 
I know I told Jared this, but I, I don't think this year that JT Daniels throws under 200 yards this year. And I know we have a great running back room, but I think that's the way our offense is moving. And I think people need to, uh, I think people should start realizing that uh, probably a lot sooner than later. Awesome. Awesome. So then one sleeper, one, you know, that's if that's your mid-tier guy, a guy that's just going incredibly late. Or do you guys both have a mid-tier guy? Sorry if I cut. Oh, uh, I do, I I do have a mid. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry about that. Go ahead. Uh, so here's my uh, Panther love for you, Austin. Woo. Uh, my my mid-tier quarterback is going to be uh, Kenny Pickett out of uh, Pittsburgh. And he's mostly kind of known for his rushing ability. He had eight rushing touchdowns this past year. So obviously that right there is going to give you a ton of fantasy relevance going into the year. But also I think people underestimate his passing game. He threw for almost uh, 2,500 yards this past year. And I think he's only going to get better with Jordan Addison and Taysier Mack. I think a lot of people forgot about Taysier Mack, but in the spring game, Taysier Mack had a pretty good day. And so I think he's going to have two great options there, receiver. And for as late as he's kind of going in CFF leagues, I think you could get an absolute steal from him. Uh, he's going almost, I think, usually you find him going around like the 12th, 13th round. So you can have an almost borderline starter QB for that late. And I think he's a great value at that point. But yeah, he, do, you have, do, you any, do you have any qualms with that, Austin, as a Panthers fan? <laughs> no, he missed a couple games last year too. Um, so, yeah, I, I like him. I think that offense is going to be improved, which is they're going to need to be because of the defense. They graduate a ton of guys this year. Um, they did. They do have, you know, weirdly Pitt has a bunch of four-star guys in the D-line. So I, I'm not that worried about that necessarily, but the defensive backfield is a little concerning. So, But, but yes, I, I do think that Pickett and the offense are going to have to carry them a little more this year. Um, so, so interested to see that. So then sleeper, sorry. I, so uh, one sleeper that you guys have at the position this year. Yeah, I'll go, I'll go, uh, Jack Plummer out of Purdue. I, I think he's going to win the job out of Purdue. And I think uh, a lot of people are forgetting, uh, about what he did the year. Uh, well, the few games that he did play him and, uh, David Bell look great together. Now also, um, oh man, I, I'm completely forgetting the other quarterback cause I'm so sold on Jack Plummer. Adrian McConnell. Adrian McConnell. O'Connell. Sorry. O'Connell. Uh, looked great with uh, David Bell as well, too, in the early half of the season before he got injured. So it, it, it leaves a lot of room for confusion. But I feel like I, I, I'll say this. I'm more conservative. I think uh, Purdue will go with the guy that's uh, that's been healthy for the longest and uh, continue on that streak that they had with uh, the success they had under Jack Plummer. So I think people, a lot of people are forgetting about him. I, in certain leagues, people aren't even drafting him. And I was like, if he ends up being the starting quarterback, then that's going to be a lot of value there because that's all they're doing is throwing the ball anyway. Yeah, I love that. Um, he uh, just in the one league that we were that Austin and I are in together, he averaged twenty five point eight points per game uh, in those three games that he played. So I mean, he was just chucking the ball every time down the field. Uh, you know, he finished like right behind Mac Jones, who averaged twenty six points per game. So I love that sleeper call there. So for my sleeper guy, actually, I, I went pretty deep with this one, but it's also a guy I do believe in, and that's Garrett Schrader, quarterback at Syracuse. This is a quarterback to me that I think a lot of people kind of forgot about. He played, he didn't play, or he didn't really play this last year. The year before, though, he was a starting quarterback in Mississippi State in Joe Moorhead's last year at Mississippi State. And I think people kind of forget, like, how good of a year he had, like, um, you're looking at a guy who I believe he played, let's see, uh, played eight games, didn't throw for a ton. That was the thing. That was kind of the major drawback here is he only threw for about 1100 yards, but he rushed 
Um, what we call where where is he at? Uh, he rushed for almost 700 yards in those games. Like he's clear dual threat quarterback. And I think he's only gotten better since then. And like watching his film and everything, like he wasn't a bad quarterback by any means, but he unfortunately to me was a um, casualty of the move to the leech air raid offense. And that's just not who Garrett Schrader was. They tried to convert him to wide receiver, which from everything, it sounds like Schrader didn't want any part of. So that's why he transferred. He's now moved over to Syracuse. His starting quarterback is Tommy DeVito, who's um, less than inspiring. And I do believe that if you see Garrett Schrader be given a chance in this Syracuse offense, that along with um, Taj Harris and some of the other weapons they have there, I think you could see him vastly outperform the value that he's being put at. And now, of course, right currently right now, from everything I've heard, he is the backup. But from everything I've been hearing, he's only there because he just hasn't learned the offense yet. Basically kind of hinting that if he knew the offense, he would probably be the most talented quarterback and therefore starting. So I'm going to say Garrett Schrader out of Syracuse. If, you, if you're in a real deep league, he's definitely somebody just to hold on to your bench, in my opinion. And that's a name I don't even know. So <laughs> I love that. I'm glad that you guys are, are bringing, bringing some guys on here that we've never even heard of. Um, running back. So we are, we talked a little bit about, you know, Bijan who Xavier's in RB one, uh, other guys that are kind of in that tier for the two of you. Uh, I'll just name off my kind of, uh, top tier of guys here. Um, Brees Hall, Iowa state, uh, Muhammad Ibrahim, Minnesota. We have already talked about Bijan Robinson, Kyron Williams, Notre Dame, sincere McCormick, UTSA, Ronnie, Ronnie rivers out of Fresno state. We talked about Isaiah Spiller, Texas A&M. Kevin Marks out of Buffalo, who's replacing Jared Patterson. Here's kind of my guy in this tier. <laughs> I'm a huge fan of Demontre Tuggle. Mm, I okay. so I have him in my top league. He just he he just put up too much production last year for me. It, it was only three games, I know, but it was just too much production in every game for me to just ignore and say like, oh, he'll fall off from that. No, I don't think he will. I think the offense trusts him. I think Ohio or the Ohio's coaching staff trusts him enough to where. He was averaging 133 yards per game and two touchdowns per game last year. So I just don't like, even if he regresses a little bit from that, he's vastly, he's going to vastly outperform almost every running back that you could put out there. Uh, and then I have Tank Bigsby, Letty Brown, and then Chris Rodriguez out of Kentucky. So those are my kind of top guys. David, do you have any others that you felt like I'm missing there? Oh man, my guy, Kevin Harris, single-handedly handedly saved me a week. Five touchdowns in a day. I, I love him so much. Um, I know uh, – I forgot. Uh, the backup that's coming back off an of injury at South Carolina, Jared, you know his name. Um, Marshawn Lloyd. Marshawn yeah. Lloyd. A lot of people are kind of concerned that he might take some reps out of there. But I'm like I, – I believe that South Carolina will honor uh, what Car Kevin Harris has done and the NFL potential he has. So I'm expecting a big year out of him. I think he's one of the best backs in uh, the SEC and in the nation. People are going to find out more about him. So uh, that's that's another guy I put on else, but every other guy was pretty much in my top as well. Awesome, I like that. I like the tug of love too, because um, I yeah I, I think all aboard the tugboat. <laughs> <laughs> man, if I get him in any leagues, that's my team name for the year. Um, <laughs> so so one mid tier guy here from each of you that you feel is a big value. Uh, Xavier went first last time, so I'll start here. To me, it is a shock. 
that you could find an Alabama running back as a mid-tier running back, but I'm going to have to put Brian Robinson Jr. here as my mid-tier running back. Again, I, I talked about earlier where I kind of go with, like I tend to be more conservative. I, I go with the returning production over maybe like a more upside freshman and everything because Brian Robinson, I think everybody kind of forgot about last year and basking in the glory of Najee Harris. And I think Brian Robinson, at least for the first half of this upcoming year, will be the number one running back going into Alabama's offense. And if he can, if he produces like he should as an Alabama running back, he'll keep it for the rest of the year and he'll be more than worth where he's being drafted currently in CFF formats. I know a lot of people are huge fans of Chase McClellan. I'm a huge fans of them as well. And I think they're going to be great running backs going down the line. But I think for just this year, Brian Robinson will be that guy coming into this next year. So I'm going to say Brian Robinson Jr. out of Alabama for my mid-tier pick. All right, yeah. Uh, I'm going to go back to Texas A&M and College Station. I'm going to go with Isaiah Spiller's backup with A-Chain. I am really high on him. I like him a lot. Uh, from what I've seen last year, especially in the spring uh, – not the spring game, the uh, bowl game against UNC, there's so much to be promised to where – it's just – I'm not saying it's going to be a split backfield, but I, I'm expecting uh, A-Chain to at least, you know, be have some relevance in terms of at least getting at least one touchdown or being those – if, if Texas A&M is up by a lot, then he's going to get in that fourth quarter or like that second half for a majority of the time and get a lot of reps. And there could be there could be big games for Isaiah Spiller, and there also could be big games for Devin A. Chain, which we saw last year when Isaiah Spiller went down. So I, 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 view, I, I rate him very highly. Um, I think he's going to get a lot more reps, like I said earlier, and he's going to have a great year. So I think one of my favorite things about A. Chain is, I mean – he doesn't need a lot of touches to have great production. Yeah. You know, he's the type of guy who can take any carry to the house, any screen pass to the house, you know, any touch, you know, he can score on immediately. And, you know, if anybody's, you know, just doing a little bit of box score scouting on the Texas A&M spring game, and you're kind of wondering why you didn't see him on there. Well, that's because he was busy tearing up the track. You know, he, he's an uh, all sec track athlete. Um, I don't have it off the top of my head, but I think he set the sec indoor record for the i don't remember if it was the 60 meter or the 100 meter um but he absolutely is just a phenomenal athlete and like i said yeah he just even if he doesn't get a ton of touches even if it's more 60 40 70 30 yeah. you know, however it breaks down he can he can blow up in one week and just you know off of like a couple touches and i think i love that call on a chain yeah all right and then your one sleeper uh, for each of you for 2021 so I'm going to go Marquez Cooper, running back out of Kent State. And I already talked about Dustin Crum earlier, how much I love him and that offense. And to me, just having that the running the rushing piece of that offense will be more than worth it, considering that they were the number one they were the number one team last year in terms of points per game scored. And thus, obviously, Dustin Crum's not going to be getting every one of those passing touchdowns. He'll get close. He'll um, Sometimes you like in order to keep things balanced, you have to have your rushing attack going. And who better than Marquez Cooper, the number one running back on that team, who will be getting those goal line carries when you get down to the or goal line carries down near the goal line, believe it or not. <laughs> uh, and so I think as a sleeper down to, down where he is, he's going undrafted almost every every mock draft that I've seen. If you were to have a deeper league and just needed a flyer to kind of pick up on as maybe a guy you could uh, just kind of throw in, 
I think Marquez Cooper is more than worth it. Okay. And Xavier, who's, who's yours? I'm actually going to go with a transfer. I uh, didn't play much, but I'm going with DeMarcus Bowman out of Florida, a transfer from Clemson, former five-star, rated really highly. Uh, one of the – actually, uh, I remember 247 Rivals had him uh, ranked as one of the best backs of all time. Uh, I think it was like top 100. And I think with Florida losing a lot, uh, DeMarcus Bowman is primed to just, um, you know, fill in that role. And uh, we have Damian Pierce, which – you know, he's good for short game. Uh, he'll get you maybe four or five yards, but you never see him break off. And, you know, you don't see you don't hear too much about Florida's running back room and have a guy like that, a former five star, which they normally don't get. I think that um, and, then you know, with Emory Jones coming in and Kyle Trask and all those uh, all those weapons leaving, you're going to have to rely on your run game a lot. And I think that's what a lot of coaches do when they're kind of rebuilding. Like you still have a good few good wide receivers. I know a lot of people are looking at like Xavier Henderson. Uh, I know Jared's high on Copeland this year to where people are not looking at him as much, but I, I always rely back on, you know, if your team isn't uh, going through a little rebuilding phase, the running game is where it's at. And I think DeMarcus Bowman is going to, uh, you know, get a lot of production out of there and hopefully break out and become the player that uh, a lot of people think he's going to be. And if he is, then I think that's going to be a really good value there. Where where do you guys see him going in drafts right now? Like, how is he getting drafted at all in a normal CFF redraft? Not from what I've seen. Uh, not from what we've seen. Like, may, maybe as like a last second to last round flyer from some people. But now our power our power five uh, draft that we did recently, I think he did go up a little bit higher. But that just tends to happen when your player pool is that much smaller. Yeah, whether or not you believe in Demarcus Bowman is really predicated on the fact that you think he's the cure to the disease that is Florida's run game, or do you think he will succumb to the disease that is Florida's run game? <laughs> I currently, I need to see it to believe it. And so I'm going to be off on DeMarcus Bowman, but I know Xavier absolutely is more than willing to take him late in a deeper draft. Yeah. Okay. And Colin uh, just, yeah. I was just going to say, I just finally pulled it up here um, for uh, A-Chain. He's uh for the 200 meter time, he currently ranks third in the NCAA and sixth in the world. Oh, wow. At 20.31, 200 meter time. And he's a running back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I knew it was, I knew I saw a crazy stat about how well he was doing this with track this year. Yeah. His breakaway speed is something to behold. I, I know when he's running down the sideline, I'm like, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. I love it. So then our uh, wide receiver here, um, college can be difficult to find top wide receivers sometimes, you know, depending, it really depends a lot on quarterback play and a lot of colleges don't necessarily have competent quarterback play, but who are the top guys uh, for you this year? Um, I think, is this, is this one going over to Xavier? Yeah. I believe this is Xavier's turn. Perfect. Uh, I'll go with uh, Minnesota uh, replacing, um, oh man, Rashad Bateman. I'm going with Amon Bell. Xavier, I, 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 he's asking about the top receivers, not the mid-tier. Oh, the top receivers. <laughs> <laughs> I love the mid-tier, the mid-tier call, though. Oh, man. But, uh, yeah, top receivers. Let's just get things off the way. David Bell of Purdue is just expected to be, you know, the next Rondell Moore. Everybody's expecting him to produce, and he did last year as well. Then we have Ke- uh, Keyshawn Boutte at LSU. Whoever the quarterback's going to be, whether it's Miles Britton or Max Johnson, it looks like Miles Britton. So, on Max Johnson, hype train is coming to a – and then, but you never know. But uh, I want to say that I want to we'll say see. that at all. They, we'll they, 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 they both look great in the they, spring they both game. look great, but a lot of people are feeling Miles Brennan a little bit more. But 
we'll we'll see after uh, some more news comes out. But yeah, Keyshawn Butte, uh, Jahan Dotson out of a uh, Penn State. Oh gosh, Jared, you're gonna have to help me out a little bit. Uh, I'm blanking here. Uh, I got Khalil Shakir here. I got Traylon Burks, uh, Marvin Bims. I, I might bump him down just a little bit because of that transfer from Mike Woods to Arkansas. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit more crowded receiver room that I would like. But uh, Romeo Dobbs, uh, Jalen Tolbert's been one that's kind of been moving up on me because I've been hearing a lot of good things about him and Jake Bentley's chemistry going on down there at South Alabama. Uh, Drake London, USC. Reggie Roberson uh, at SMU. John Mechie out of Alabama. And then Jalen Cropper and Zay Flowers kind of round out that top tier for me. But you kind of mentioned it, Austin, where wide receiver to me is definitely the most top-heavy of the positions this year in CFF, you see a much bigger drop off after those top tier guys than you would see in a, in the other positions. And maybe that maybe that's just something I wasn't seeing that was there in past years. But just this year, I'm feeling it just a lot more. Where I'm willing to take a wide receiver much earlier than I would be in a past year. In past years. If you would have told my past self that like you're, I'm taking a wide receiver in the first round, I'm like, I'm no, you're crazy. You have to take a running back. You have to take a quarterback. You have to start with the foundation there. But this year, like especially David Bell, Keyshawn Butte, those guys are going to be monsters. And if you can grab one of those guys in the first round and then build from there, I think it's more than worth it. And to, I, I, I've been telling Xavier this over and over again. If you're in a CFF draft and you're in the second round, if you haven't taken a wide receiver, at least a wide receiver by the second round, you're going to be in trouble very quickly because guys will be coming off the board a lot quicker than you think. And then all of a sudden you are looking at, you're looking at like having your best wide receiver as a guy that is clearly a tier or two below something that other people have been nabbing very early in the draft. So to me, you want my advice in drafts this year, you have to hit the wide receiver early. Otherwise you will find yourself kind of struggling more and more throughout the draft. So those are my, that's my two cents on that. Yeah. That is an awesome tidbit. Um, so, so thank you guys for that. Um, oh, go ahead, Colin. No, I was just gonna say that wasn't really something that I would have expected. Um, just cause you know, playing in the, uh, the C2C space a little bit more, there's a lot more receivers that you're comfortable taking, you know, in those mid tier rounds. And I guess that's kind of due to, them being in offenses that typically, you know, don't produce as well of or as high of numbers, um, or you know, being incoming guys like Jacory Brooks, JoJo Earl, you know, the Bama guys, mm-hmm. um, you know, the Ohio State guys who you like a lot, but they're not going to see the field, they're not going to get that as much production. So exactly, when I was really glad. Yeah, I was really glad you guys shared that. Yeah, when you're seeing FF Dream. Uh, CFF league and you're only looking at this upcoming year, it's a lot harder to project this year. I think more than past years of who are going to be those guys to step up. Like we we're talking about the old miss receiver situation earlier, where like, if we knew who the number one receiver out of Ole miss would be like, clearly he'd be a top receiver. If we knew who the number one receiver coming out of Clemson this year would be like, they would be a clear top tier guy, but we don't have that information for so many teams this upcoming year. And thus you're kind of top tier receivers has gotten smaller and smaller if you're looking for safe high value picks and yeah so do you guys have been just saying that is there a favorite at a clemson or a school like that where it's a little unclear that you're 
and maybe this kind of fits in. I don't know if either of you guys were planning on, on hitting on a guy like this as your, your mid-tier, your sleeper, but, but anybody that you're kind of putting your eye on from some of those big schools with some uncertainty? I'll let David go first on this one. Uh, uh, not me personally, but if I were, uh, especially with the Clemson situation, I, I was really high on Justin Ross when he came in uh, as a freshman. And coming back from a neck injury, I just don't know what that's going to look like. Uh, you know, I, hopefully he still has the same speed. Uh, I believe they said they moved him over to the slot, I believe. So that's definitely uh, an interesting choice by Dabo in the offense to uh, – see what that will look like uh, with them having EJ Williams and Fred Latson, what they did last year, they showed promise, but Justin Ross looked like all world with uh, the receivers he had when uh, freshman year. So I definitely would have him uh, probably at that number one receiver spot. If I were taking a Clemson receiver, if I was in that situation, uh, Jared, I'll let you speak on, um, I don't know any other situations. I guess the USC one would be pretty interesting as well too, because I know there's a lot of uncertainty around like, Who's going to replace them all around St. Brown? Is it Drake? Is it Brew? Is it Taj Washington? Yeah. So when it comes to, the, uh, I'll, I'll speak on the Clemson situation real quick. Uh, I think Justin Ross is your safe, like your safest pick if you're if you're going to aim for a Clemson receiver. But definitely, I wouldn't say take him as your wide receiver one because that could burn you very quickly. However, um, my guy out of that is going to be the guy that burned me last year. But I'm going to go. I'm going to ride the train again. I'm going to go Joseph Ngata. Um, I'm here. They're moving him to the outside and hopefully he's finally going to get some of that work that I was expecting out of him last year. So he's kind of my guy for Clemson there. Um, the USC situation is a very interesting one. I do think Drake London is going to be your main guy. Um, Brew McCoy also very talented, but I do think that Taj Washington is going to be somebody that is going to help the USC offense kind of transition out of those short passes that they're, they kind of relied on last year and kind of help stretch the field a little bit more. And if that's the case, he can become a very, very um, valuable piece for that offense. And I think he's somebody to definitely keep an eye on. So, yeah. Awesome. Um, so then mid-tier guys, I mean, we kind of probably covered some there. Um, anybody else, though, that is on your radars? I'm going to go Charleston Rambo here out of Miami. Now, Mike Harley, I think, is going to be that number one receiver going into Miami, and that's I, I would have him here if he was ranked in my in, in my kind of mid-tier range. But Charles Rambo, I think, is somebody that people are kind of sleeping on. like he, Or obviously not a sleeper, but like um, I do think that he is somebody that people are kind of forgetting about a little bit, transferring from Oklahoma. Um, I know Xavier was high on him last year and got burned by him, and I imagine a lot of people kind of got burned by him last year, thinking that he would kind of take over that, uh, C.D. Lamb, Marquise role after they left, and just didn't turn out that way. Sam or Spencer Rattler found Marvin Mims, and they formed a connection that him and Rambo never did. And so, but watching this past spring game kind of solidified the kind of um, gut feeling that I had about Rambo coming into this uh, Miami offense, and that he was going to provide them that kind of second wide receiver, that or that second reliable wide receiver that they were kind of looking for last year, like D Higgins. And uh, I can't remember the other guy's name off the top of my head, but there was a couple other guys who showed flashes, but never could be that guy that was going to haul in that hard catch. And so I think Charleston Rambo will provide that for Miami this year. And thus he will be getting a lot more targets than you would necessarily think. And therefore, yeah, I'm going Charleston Rambo out of Miami for my mid-tier pick. Yeah. Um, I said, um, 
I said earlier, like I said, I spoiled it with my pick. I was going Amundel out of Minnesota. Uh, somebody has to replace Rashad Bateman, and it seems like the staff, and from what I'm hearing, it's going to be Amundel. And I was like, if I can get that pre- – well, I, I'm not expecting Rashad Bateman numbers, but if I'm getting something close and Tanner Morgan is just hitting him where he needs to be hitting him and uh, producing at that rate, then I feel like that's a good value out of the Big Ten, uh, you know, if you're not getting those top guys of like a Dotson or any of the Ohio State receivers or um, – a tie for uh, Freifogel. So I feel like uh, Amon Bell is one guy that people may be a little bit overlooking, but at the same time, uh, it's hard to uh, find uh, find those number ones when like uh, former number ones leave and you're like, all right, well, this guy was pretty good too. And he was putting up close to similar numbers. Then a freshman comes in and becomes that number one. But, you know, you just uh, kind of, uh, you just got to stay close and vigilant to the situation. Um, hear what you're hearing out of spring games. And obviously if there's like a clear, uh, I'd say separation, which what from what I'm seeing and hearing, Aubinville seems to be that number one. So I think that's a good mid-tier pick for anybody. Yeah, I, I love I, that. Yeah, um, yeah. I was just going to say, I know um, Nate Marquise, when we had him on too, he was saying about how much you want uh, a P.J. Fleck wide receiver one just for their sheer production. You know, we saw it from mm-hmm. Tyler Johnson. We saw it from Rashad Bateman. Sounded like Ottman Bell's the next guy up. Um, so, yeah, I love that call. Um, definitely would be on board with him. Yeah, I really, really like Ottman Bell. I have him stashed a couple places um, and just really, really like him. Um, so your your sleeper for wide receiver this year. All right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about your buddy here, Austin. Uh he was somebody that caught my eye at the end of last year. I can't remember which touchdown pass it uh caught my eye, but I'm going Kyron Lacey, wide receiver here out of Louisiana Lafayette. And Again, you come by on one of his sessions. I believe it was the one in the bowl game against UTSA. And I was like, okay, I heard that he was a freshman. I'm like, okay, a freshman's making those kind of catches this early on. And then when I went and looked, he was leading the team in receptions throughout the year. And I'm like, okay, so you're already having a guy. I know, I know, Colin, I believe you said on the wide receiver summit that uh, you're a big, like, breakout age guy. Did I hear that correctly? Yeah. yeah. So, um, so you already got a guy on this team breaking out as a freshman. And to me, he's got great size. I believe he's like, what, 6'1", 190. No, he's like, he's over 200 pounds, I believe, if I remember correctly. Like this, this is a, this, he's a, he's a very big guy. And so he, he has been great in the intermediate pass game and the uh, short pass game. His deep ball needs some, or his uh, deep, deep ball catching needs some work. He's already said that in interviews. It's been something he's been working on deeply uh, this past spring. I'll admit he did. He had a very rough spring game. Uh, had a lot. Had a couple of uh, bad drops that he definitely needs to work on. But I do think that if you're if he could put that all together and he can lead this very good Louisiana Lafayette team coming into this next year, and I believe that they will challenge for their conference championship and pro- possibly, if I remember their schedule correctly, probably go through their schedule with only one or two losses. Um, I think he, if he, if he's the number one receiver on that team, uh, he's going to be a great value for where he's being drafted at. And the the big knock here, of course, is that Louisiana Lafayette is a run first team, so he's not going to probably get the targets or the uh, passing volume that you would want out of a number one receiver. But again, if he can change the dynamic of that Louisiana Lafayette offense to where they do have a reliable pass catching option. I believe that he'll see lots more targets than you would normally see in that offense and that he'll be a great value. So Kyron Lacey, Louisiana Lafayette wide receiver. Yeah. Uh, 
I think that's a great pick as well, too. Um, but I will go a little bit left field. I know everybody's infatuated with uh, one receiver out of Arkansas State, Corey Record, but I actually am high on Jeff Foreman. I think the consistency that I saw at the end of the year with three 100-yard games, everybody was so infatuated with the nine-catch, uh, 310-yard game from Corey Record, which I it's understandable because he did well in the spring game. He was a freshman, has the great build, shows a lot of promise for that program, and he's going to be great. But I think people are overlooking that Arkansas State has another good receiver on their roster. And Jeff Foreman is that guy. With Jonathan Adams Jr. gone and all those targets just evacuated, I don't think it's just automatically just, you know, guaranteed to Corey Rucker. I think Jeff Foreman has earned the right to, you know, share some of that wealth as well. And even though he didn't play in the spring game, which I was kind of disappointed because I wanted to see the both of them and see, you know, who uh, the quarterback would choose more. But, I mean, in all honesty, I think it's just going to be a a split uh, receiver room. Which it will, it, you know, it, there may be weeks where, you know, maybe he won't get as many touches as you like. But from what he was averaging his last three games, he doesn't really need that much. He was getting like, uh, yeah, he only had maybe three or five catches and he still had over 100 yards. So I, I, I like the production that I was seeing at the end of the year. And he's only a sophomore going into a junior year. So I was like, you're, you're peaking at the time where I'm like, you know, you're not, you're going to freshman stand out, but you didn't wait till like senior year, you know, to break out into stride. So. I love that Jeff Foreman call. Um, everybody's really hyping up Corey Rucker, and obviously for good reason with that massive bowl game that he had. But yeah, Jeff Foreman goes under the radar with those three straight 100-yard games to end the year. I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that Corey Rucker is the number one there. And Jeff Foreman is a guy that I haven't heard anybody else mention. He's a guy I was quietly hoping would slide under the radar, but you know, you guys, you're blowing up my spot here. I may have to take him <laughs> a little bit earlier uh, after after people listen to you uh, hype him up there, Xavier. Oh yeah. Um, Oh no, round 40 instead of round 45. <laughs> <laughs> I said it on How deep I mean, do some of y'all's leagues go? Like, like, what's the deepest league y'all have ever done? Uh, 40. Well, no, what is it now? Uh, they just expanded it. So we have a league that is IDP as well. Right. And oh, that's, no. that's, that's 60 man <laughs> rosters. Um, but I, yeah, 40, 45 is kind of the default, I think. Okay. Um, like that, that, that seems to be pretty typical, um, which isn't bad. You know, you guys mm-hmm. can think of, you know, 45 different college players that you, that you oh, like absolutely. The, the ranks. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, the, the first, the first time doing one of those was a little bit of a, a, a chore, a little bit of a scare. Um, so good times. Um, so <laughs> we wrote on the show sheet here, tight end, like, do you guys care about tight end at all? And I like, the answer that you guys gave where you said normally you wouldn't care, but you think this clap is class is very deep. So I just want to hear a little bit of your thoughts on this tight end class as a whole. I know they basically all go in the same range. Like there's just a, you just, once the run starts, just everybody takes their tight end from what I've seen more or less, um, which just cracks me up. But, <laughs> but um, what are your guys thoughts on just this tight end group as a whole? Well, I think I think you said it yourself. There's a reason why they all kind of go right there together, and that's that this entire top tier of tight ends this year are so close together. You don't have those like three or four that are like clearly above the rest. You have a very broad set of tight ends this year that I think everybody's kind of looking. Of course, everybody's looking for that next Kyle Pitts, and I don't think we're going to get a Kyle Pitts like we did last year, but. There's a lot of guys who are in that range that can 
provide that potential. Like you're looking at guys like Cole Turner, a freshman last year at Nevada. Jalen Weidermeyer is the uh, is going to be a monster at Texas A&M, of course, again this year. But you got you got like normally it would be like those two, and then kind of everybody else, and you would see those guys taking like the second or second to last round or like the last round. Like people usually t- go tight end pretty late in a normal year. But in this year, you see that they're going a little bit earlier in like that 11, 10, 12 range. And so, yeah, there's, I think there's lots of great options this year to the point where I'm not scared of missing out on tight end. Like if I start seeing a few guys go early to the point where I feel like I, like, like if, if some guys go, I'm like, okay, I'm going to grab one, but I'll just take whoever's there. If that, if that makes any sense. Like, I'm not necessarily going to wait on it because I do want that top tier tight ends. However, like, to me, the gap between tight end one and tight end, like, I'm looking at my sheet, tight end, like, 13, 14 is minuscule compared to what it is in normal years. So, Xavier, you have any thoughts there? Yeah, I, I was just going to mention, like, you know, in years past where everybody was trying to grab the next Iowa tight end to where you either get a TJ Hawkinson or Noah Fenn and everything else was just a major drop off. And then I'd say in like like last year, you had Kyle Pitts, Jalen Watermeyer and a few others. And now you're having this year, you're seeing like uh, the college football landscape just changing in a whole new way to where teams are starting to utilize their tight ends a lot more. And they're starting to have actual like wide receiver values. And you're seeing that carry over to the NFL with like Travis people like Travis Kelsey and George Kittle and Noah Fan and some others like I named before. But I, I think um, with tight ends now, it definitely, uh, if you'd asked me uh, three years ago, if I would to take a tight end, I'd be like probably at my very last pick where I'll just pick one up off the waiver wire because there's always just that one guy and, you know, they're usually there. You'll catch a couple passes, maybe block, and that's it because that's what normal tight ends. But now you have, like you saw last year with Kyle Pitts, you're like, Man, if you could find a really good freshman or somebody with that build, like I, I know we have a few guys at Georgia that I'm really excited about with Darnell Washington, six seven. Basically, I remember I saw a graphic where they compared his like height and weight to LeBron James, and I was like, "You're putting LeBron James on a football field." So I think that's kind of unfair, but it's going to be the production is definitely gonna, like they're going to have to use him, and other than you know just run blocking scheme or pass blocking, like he's going to have to be thrown to down the field. So I'm definitely looking at tight ends a lot more and trying to get those. Uh, like you said, if either I start the run, which if I feel like I have a good enough team, I'll start it off. But if uh, if not, then I'm just gonna, you know, like you said earlier, I'll just go with the run and take the best guy available. Which you know, right now you have Dolchich out of UCLA, uh, Wattemeyer, um, Cole Turner, but then you have some uh, interesting guys like Otten out of Washington that I know Jared mentioned to me a few uh, about a week or two ago, which I was like, what. Well, you brought up a really good point. They have no receivers at Washington. So uh, and it's probably going to be uh, essentially probably going to be that number one receiving option. And I was like, that could be a lot of value there too as well. So tight end, uh, I definitely care about a lot more, especially this year. And I definitely feel like if you can get a really good one, then that, that will definitely help your fantasy team with, through whatever league you, you're in. Yeah, I think last year, both in CFF and NFL, because last year I also had, uh, I had Darren Waller in my NFL team and just how nice it was to have a gear, like a guarantee at tight end was massive in terms of managing the rest of your roster. Because if one of your guys busts in a normal year where you're like, if you have your tight, like, and you have a tight end, if that tight end also doesn't perform. You're now down two guys. 
typically. But if you have a guy that's guaranteed every single week <clears throat> a certain amount of points, you can kind of take a little bit more risks with your uh, the rest of your team. You can take you can take some more upside guys at your wide receiver spots, knowing that if they were to bust for whatever reason, that your tight end will pick up those points pretty easily. And so I think last year kind of showed that if you put more time and energy into making sure you find that those kind of tight ends to kind of guarantee yourself every single week, it's going to be massive for how well you can manage the rest of your season. So yeah, that's what I'm going to say there. So I know Colin really likes Kate Otten. I've been hopping on the cool Turner bandwagon. Is there one guy where if you just had your year, they tell you that at this pick in round, you know, 10 or whatever, you have to start the tight end run there. Who is the guy that you're going to take in that spot? I'm with you. I go Cole Turner. Uh, I'm with you as well. I'm going Cole Turner. I still like Cade from what Jared told me and what a little bit more research that we did. But yeah, I'm going with the proven production of the freshman because he was one of the, uh, I believe, top 50 in the nation or maybe top 100 in receiving just in general out of tight ends and wide receivers. So I like that. I like the upside that I see there, even with uh, Romeo Dobbs. And Elijah awesome. Cooks. And Elijah Cooks. Yeah, that Elijah Cooks is gumming up all those projections for that team. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know what what's gonna go on with that passing offense next year. Um I, I fight with with Mr. Alfred Fernandez at the site quite often because he's a big dubs guy, and I'm like, we don't know what's gonna happen. We don't, yeah. I mean, Cook, Cook's basically doubled up you know dubs are you know 1.5 times what he did the last time they were on the field together. So um a, a difficult offense, I think, to to nail down. Yeah. I will say outside of Cole Turner that my second pick would be Jalen Weidermeyer. And the only reason I keep Jalen Weidermeyer would be my number one tight end. The only thing is that they have another tight end there at Texas A&M. I believe his name is uh, Baylor cup. And um, he is probably just as good as Jalen Weidermeyer. He's just been injured to hell and back the past couple of years. And so if he finally has a healthy season coming into this year, I'm a little scared about him taking a little bit of targets, a little bit of, snaps away from Jalen Weidermeyer. But otherwise, to me, Cole Turner and Jalen Weidermeyer are neck and neck. So I'll throw that in. Yeah, Cup has had a lot of freaky injuries the past two years. But he was supposed to be the guy because they came in the same class and Weidermeyer was supposed to be a, a blocking tight end. And, yeah. you know, look where we are now. So <laughs> the beauty of college football. Oh, yes. Um, so any final words here for tonight, guys? Or did you, you say your piece on everybody? I think we said more than our piece. I'm looking at our time and I know you guys typically go about <laughs> you guys typically go about an hour. We kind of rubbed off on you. We we're going a little bit longer tonight. So our apologies, no. but we we've had a ton of fun here tonight. Thank yeah. you guys so much for inviting us on. Xavier. Yeah, we really appreciate it. Uh definitely great from hearing you guys and you know, giving us praise or you know, if you want to d- uh, dunk on our takes. I know I dunk on Jared a lot <laughs> off the camera. No so, mercy. No mercy. No mercy. So that's what friends are for, right? Exactly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you heard him at the beginning of the show. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but you could also tell when you listen to you guys too, you have just like a natural like chemistry. You guys could tell you guys are friends off uh, off air as well. And, um, you know, I just want to thank you guys for hopping on here. I don't, I don't care that we ran later than we normally do. I mean, you know, the, amount of takes that you guys were dropping and the amount of knowledge you guys were dropping on here was was incredible and even if you know anybody listening to this even if you're not playing cff uh, you know and you're just a c2c player or, or even devi you know the, the names that you guys are throwing out there are guys that you have to be paying attention to the names you guys throw out on your pod also 
guys you have to be paying attention to. Um, so like I said, even if you're not playing CFF or anything like that, you have to be following these guys. You have to be listening to chasing the natty. Uh, you know, you're, you're doing yourself a disservice, not doing it. I appreciate that Colin. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. So just to bring it home here, guys, uh, thanks again for coming on. You can find Jared at CFF underscore Jared on Twitter. You can find Xavier at CFF underscore Xavier. Uh, you can find the two of us. I'm at Debbie Deeds. Colin is at C2C Decker. Uh, if you need to get a hold of the show, we have at Campus DeCanton as well. Uh, again, thank you guys so much for coming on. Um, we don't have any other housekeeping items for, for the show here. Just we the ADP tool for the website did go live here today. Um, so for anybody to use, I believe it is going behind a paywall next week, though. It, we're giving it a week live, and then it, it goes hiding away along with Jared's other app. So if you are enjoying playing around with either of those things, but you are not a member yet, uh, you will have to uh, to join the sites to be able to access those things. But I think they're very much worth it, you know, for, mm-hmm. for $2.99 a month. And you get, we see those charts all over Twitter now. People are using them. People like them. So, um, but we just wanted to give you guys a heads up on all of that. Um, but until next time, I am Austin. And this is Colin. And have a good week, guys.